0: You need indeed.
1: Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by the Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. You guys know where to follow me at m i k e d u g a r. Also, shout out to all of our YouTube subscribers, Seahawks Man to Man on YouTube. That's Seahawks the number two Man to Man. Appreciate everyone who checked out our first film breakdown uh, that we're going to try to bring you every week. have some plays in so week five. We're going to try to bring. You- week six
2: plays later in the week uh chris talk to him. what is up everybody it's your boy christopher kid you can follow me on twitter at, and at ckid206 and that's ck 206
1: all right we're coming to you after the seahawks beat the arizona cardinals in week six 19 to nine had a weird football score uh improved to three and three uh on the year and what pete carroll is uh envisioning or at least Uh, claiming a three-way tie for first place in the division. It's not actually a three-way tie, even though the Niners and the Rams are also three and three, the Niners have the tiebreaker over the Rams and over the Seahawks. So technically the Niners are in first place. The Rams are in second, uh, Seahawks in third, and the Cardinals bringing up the rear at two and four. Uh, We spent a lot of time on this program the last few weeks, uh, talking about what's wrong with the Seahawks defense and whether it can be fixed. Like it really got to the point last week where we called in an expert and Ted Wynn, uh, shout out to Ted, call, uh, did a film review, uh, wrote a joint article with me, came on the pod last week. What's wrong with the defense? And so we have to start this show, Chris, and spend most of the show, I should say on the defensive performance by the Seahawks today. Cause those nine points, aren't three field goals by Arizona. That's three points on their first drive and then donuts from the offense the rest of the way. Uh, The six points coming via blocked punt in the second half, I want to say. So Seattle defense pitched basically, I don't want to say pitched basically a shutout because we've seen that. Good God, that Mariner game. Uh, but uh the Seahawks defense kept Arizona out of the end zone the entire game, man. That's just incredible, incredible work. So I think today, Chris, if you're all right with we need to spend some time, uh show some love to the defense uh, because they they kicked some ass today. And I, I think we're both probably in agreement that it's pretty surprising to see them kick Arizona's ass in that way because they just the defense just really hadn't kicked ass like that all season.
2: Yeah, and they did it in all three levels. The defensive line, they did their part, got after the quarterback, they had five sacks, which that's great for this team. This team hadn't been touching the quarterback. They were allergic, anemic, whatever you want to describe their attempt at getting to the quarterback against opposing teams. It didn't happen. And then Sunday against the Cardinals, they came alive. Daryl Taylor with the strip sack, fumbled there. That was great. You saw Puna get in the action. They blitzed Ryan Neal. He got in there. You saw guys making plays that you would expect to make plays early in the season, but for whatever reason, new scheme, just getting to play with each other. Well, that came out really weird. Getting the – just understanding and playing, <laughs> playing, yeah, playing as a unit.
1: You're all right. You can say it, man. It's fine.
2: Uh, I said it. It is what it is. But playing as a unit, the linebackers, Jordan Brooks, you didn't hear his name a lot, and he was also around making plays. You also saw guys just making tackles. You didn't see guys breaking free. A couple of times Ron, Rondell Moore earlier in the game, you know, he made a few moves here and there, but for the most part, they bottlenecked it up. You mentioned after them getting three points on their first on the Cardinals' first drive, the Seahawks were able to shut it down getting after the quarterback, tackling. I thought it was damn near a perfect game for the defense and to do it after how badly they've been playing, they needed this. This is something that a, proof to them that now they see that they can do it. That's only going to allow them to get better each and every week. And you saw a lot of different coverages, different schemes that they're drawing up just to allow this team to play at a better rate that we've seen so far this season through, what, six weeks. And today, on Sunday, they put it all together and put, put out a pretty solid performance defensively. And I was impressed. You got to see a little bit more of Kobe Bryant. And again, what does he do? causes yet another fumble isn't this his third or second straight week forcing a fumble
1: i think uh i I forget how many i want to say it's two for for sure it's definitely two because this is the second straight week he has forced a fumble that Tariq has then recovered that's that too that's weird that's amazing in its own right but then this is the fourth fumble that he's forced he forced one against debo samuel in week two debo recovered it which is why it's not as remembered as yeah exactly but he did force it uh, yes Super fumbled in week two. He gets somebody to fumble in week four. Josh Reynolds, I want to say, fumbles in week four of the Lions. Uh week five, he got Alvin kamara to fumble, and then today he gets Kyler. Kyler. So yeah, he's he's getting he's getting everybody running backs,
2: receivers, running backs tuck, who are receivers. Like he's doing it all. Better better wrap tuck in because he's coming for the ball. He's punch out artist right now. And It's just cool seeing these two rookies make a name for themselves, whether it's Kobe forcing fumbles and then your guy, Tariq Woolen, who is yet again proving why he he is the starter on this defense. I still don't understand the play. To throw it up to Marquise Brown, who was six inches shorter, probably not the best play call. If anything, you probably want to throw that to, to A.J. Money Green. But regardless, Tariq Woolen makes a play, makes it look easy. He is fitting in perfectly with this defense. And I think he's only going to get better, which is crazy to say. He has three interceptions so far this season. Four. Four. Excuse me. Four, four interceptions. Four in four weeks. I don't I have no other words for you guys. This kid is definitely something to be looking out for. And if he's if he's shutting down one side of the field, which I think he's capable of doing. You might see more cover three from the Seahawks. This might go back to the, what they really, really want to do. Of course, still you want linebacker play to be better, but and you want the pass rush to continue what you, what you guys saw on Sunday against the Cardinals. But man, I'm I'm sure Pete is really, really happy right now with his getting out to Tariq Woolen.
1: Yeah, now Tariq's playing like one of the best defensive backs in the league. Not even just for rookies, because um, that's I've been trying to get away from that. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, about Tariq. Uh, more I want to get to the D line first but one thing that I've kind of tried to get away from the last couple years is only comparing rookies to what other rookies at their position are doing like I get I get some of the comparison um, you know like I did a little bit with D last year just kind of put his performance in perspective relative to the other rookies taken. but after a while it's like I'm just kind of grading you on what other guys at your position are doing because you don't really after a while, it's like, well, we don't really care that you're a rookie. You're starting or you're playing. So it's like I'm judging you based on how other guys are playing. I think only last, unless somebody went crazy in the Sunday night game, Chris, uh, the only person with as many interceptions as Tariq this year is Jordan uh, Poyer. Of mm, the Bills. Bills. Yeah, that dude is nasty because I think he's only played like three or four games. Uh, he's hurt. The- yeah, yeah, he's hurt right now. And
2: still I think he's done for the, of- the year maybe, but well, whatever.
1: Uh is it Jeffrey D- I know my, him and Micah Hyde have been banged up. That Buffalo secondary took a hit. I don't know how they beat the Chiefs today. I gotta rewatch that game later. But anyway, point being, Tariq is not just playing like one of the best rookies uh in the class defensively, which is also still saying a lot because yeah. the first pick in the draft, I believe, was a defensive player. I don't even remember the dude's name now. Something Walker. One of them dudes from the Jags.
2: Uh yeah, the D-lineman.
1: Yeah, and it feels like the best guys uh, out of the class so far have been uh, DBs, it's been Sauce, uh, who seems to be playing really well, and then Derek Stingley down there in Houston playing really well. Uh, maybe I'm missing some guys, but you get the point. So Tariq is balling. But I do want to start up front, though. And, and, That's where
2: it starts, though, from the jump. From the yeah,
1: it, it really does. And the more I learn football and stuff, I see why every coach player and every, like say it starts up front, starts up front. It's just really, they weren't, I knew they weren't lying before, but when you really learn defense, it everything does start there. Like you you can't scheme around a bad front. You can run 3-4, 4-3, 4-2-5, 3-3-5. It doesn't matter what you're running. If your front is lacking, you're going to get your ass kicked. And teams are going to, in particular, going to be able to run on you. And when they can run on you, They can pretty much do whatever else they want for the most part because they can be in any personnel grouping and just run down your throat and then you're just on your heels, you know, from there, getting your ass kicked, getting blown off the ball. And that's what the problem the Seahawks were having coming into this game. And I talked to some of the D-line guys this week, you know, particularly Shelby Harris was quietly becoming an excellent quote. Uh, He's just – he made it real simple to me this week. He's like, it starts with us. You know, it's not just us. This starts with us. We do our job, fill our gaps, don't make mistakes, and tackle the guy with the ball. We'll be fine. You know, Quentin Jefferson said the same thing after the Saints game. He was like, he's like, football is real simple. Yeah, get back to the fundamentals. Tackle the motherfucker with the ball. <laughs> you know, and that's what Quentin told me after the Saints game. And it, while it, it, that's a little bit of an oversimplification. Part of it is some scheme stuff, but you look at it today, Chris, and you can see why. They made a few scheme changes, but like Jordan Brooks told me, Brady Henderson and, and Greg Bell after the game, it w- or I think it was Curtis Crabtree, not not Brady, but either way, Jordan, he said after the game, he was like, "Yeah, we made some adjustments, but the biggest thing was just owning up on what was the problem." He said, "Guys took it personal today, especially the D line." Mm, so, um, you saw it. Yeah, yeah. You could just—it it, wasn't no secret. You know, I wrote about it in my story after the game. There was. So, I'm in every locker room uh, post game, right? So, I, I know what the scene looks like after the offense goes crazy or Rashad goes crazy. You, the cameras all go a certain way. You know, the, like the last few weeks, nobody's really been talking to the D line after the games because they've just been playing so bad, at least, you know, on first glance. So, everybody's like, let's not wander over to that side of the room. We all focusing on Gino, and there's a big, usually a big line around the receivers, whatever. Uh, today, Man, there were so many cameras on the left side of the room, and the left side is where the D line is, uh, with the exception of Lucena Uh D line cameras everywhere, man. King, Fox, Como, the, the Seahawks in in-house people, because everybody could just see it today. It wasn't just a six sacks. The Cardinals couldn't run the ball today.
2: Only person that was running was Kyler. <laughs> and and I know the
1: Cardinals aren't don't have a good offense. I think they were like 20 something in scoring. Uh, they're only like average by EPA per play, which basically means on a per play per play basis, how impactful are the plays that you're running? They're about average. Um, they're banged up at running back. But based on my mentions, no one cared about that. I tweeted that the Cardinals were banged up at running back. Everyone told me congrats on, Eno and Benjamin having the day of his life, mm-hmm. uh, which is not totally, you know, like misguided. Chris, we've been saying for a few weeks. Somebody has a career day. Five straight yeah. weeks. <laughs> yeah, um, Kyler ran for hundred. I don't think that's a career high for him. So I'd have to check that. I don't think it is. Um, either way, like the D line, not only do they play well, though, you could you could see that they were just fed up. Like it was it was like a put up or shut up type of moment. Yeah, it was it was no longer here's how we're gonna scheme this. Like it did a little bit of that. It was Quentin Jefferson talked about it after the game. It was like and they cut us loose. You know, let us just kind of get busy. But really, it was more like I'm about to just start playing better, you know. Uh, I kind of we've talked to over the past few weeks how it, life isn't like the Disney movie Brink where you just skate better. But some of that did happen today. Poodle Ford played his best game of his of his of his of his uh, season today. In the backfield against the run, in the backfield against the pass. Uh, I think he even batted a pass down at the line of scrimmage today. Uchenna had sack number he three. Daryl had sack number two. Quinton had sack number two. Shelby got in there. Brian Monet just blows up a run play all by himself by taking the center and moving the center backwards until he trips up, you know, Benjamin for like a a loss of one or a gain of nothing. There were just so many impactful plays in there. Miles Adams and Quentin Jefferson has some good run stops. Brian Monet has some good run stops. They just set the tone up there. And once they set the tone up front, you kind of see how the defense is supposed to work. You stop them from running the ball on you. And what do they do? They try to throw it on you.
0: Well, Can't they try to either. throw
1: it on you. Their O line better be ready to protect, the boy, because we coming. Their O line was not ready to protect. You look at Darryl Taylor's sack and that poor right tackle. What is his name? Looks Kelvin. Kelvin Beacham? Kevin or Kevin? Well, one of the two. Darryl just ran right past that man and got straight to Kyler. It's like when you when you can stop the run and then unleash your pass rushers and your pass rushers are just even halfway talented, the defense works the way it's supposed to because then you're getting off the field. How many punts did they force today? 15 million? You're either getting off the field or you're generating turnovers. Had a pair of turnovers today. You can just see this is how the defense is supposed to work. And I think that was the other part of why a day like this, even though it didn't come against the best offense in the world, I think a day like this is important because it can reaffirm belief in the system. Because no matter how much you love the coaches, no matter how much you love the guys next to you, no matter how much you love Pete Carroll or John Snyder or whoever, you need to see shit work if you're on the team. You, know? you need to see what they're telling you Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and what you're walking through Saturday. You need to see that shit translate onto Sundays. Because if that just continuously does not happen, the human element kicks in. Like, you know, Chris, we play flag football on Saturdays all the time. If you keep telling me, Mike. Trust your, trust your technique that I'm telling you. Do A, B, and C, and we'll, we'll stop them from scoring. And I keep doing A, B, and C a month in a row, and I keep getting scored on After a while, I'm just going to not trust you. You know, like Even if I know you, you're a Super Bowl winning head coach or whatever, you've been in the game for 50 years, you keep telling me something is going to work, and I do it or my group of guys do it, and then it does not work for whatever reason, whether it's our fault or the coach's fault, eventually human element sets in. That's when you get guys either trying to do too much, not believing in each other, not communicating, just all these other things that spiral. And you need performances like this where you implement the game plan, you kick the other team's ass, you watch it on Monday, and you say, it'd be like the ends of the, the first two bad boys movies with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence.
2: That's how you...
1: Yeah. After after the end of the first movie, he's like, from now on, that's how you drive. You know, that's Did how you say, you say drive that's how you, how you shoot too? That's how you shoot comes in the second movie. Yep he says, that's how you shoot. Because remember, he shoots the winner in Cuba. Shoots uh, the ear off. Why is that bullet? No, he blows dude's head off. Uh, he shoots the dude okay. in the head, and he lands on a landmine, and then he blows up. Oh. That's the end of the second movie. But he says, yeah, now that's how you're supposed to shoot. Now on, that's how you shoot. That's what Tell the Truth Monday is going to look like in the Seahawks' defensive room. Uh, it's going to be Clint Hurt in the front of the projector saying, now that's how you're supposed to get off blocks or tackle or whatever the hell because it, they finally got to see it, you know. Not to say that everybody doubted the scheme through five weeks, but I think people listen to get what I'm trying to say. You got to see shit come to fruition, yeah. you know. You, you have to. And it really – it could not have been done without the front. I think Jordan, Jordan Brooks still led the team in tackles with 11, and then Kobe Bryant was second uh, with eight, and then Ryan Neal with seven. Usually, if you have two DBs in your linebacker lead, that may not be the greatest thing, but the D-line just played so well up front and sometimes that just meant holding on to your gap while Jordan could come in, while Kobe can come in, while Ryan can come help, excuse me, in the uh, in the run game. I think, uh, Chris, what did the two running backs have for Arizona today?
2: Not much. Maybe was, 40
1: yards. Yeah, because I, ha- I picked up Eno Benjamin in one of my fantasy leagues, and I got cooked. So let's see. 15 carries for 37 yards for Eno Benjamin, and then Keontae Ingram had three carries for seven yards with a long of seven. So like he had one seven yard carry and it was a just that was a, a non factor the rest of the game like we had not seen that a, at all uh, from this team and that really it was I have to watch the film to like really 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 see who stood out in the run game but I just know when you have six sacks by six different dudes like that's just just total total dominance and as much as we'll get into some scheme stuff with the, some of the Twitter questions people have. I think a lot has to be said for those guys just being like, fuck man, I got tired of not <laughs> getting knocked off the ball. Yeah. Got tired of not being in my gap or got tired of just getting outplayed by the other team, you know. Um, and I think the discipline that they showed and just the kind of the pride or just the the I don't there's, there's a word for it. They were just they're just fret up. Like I talked to Shelby Harris after the game, it was like, it's about time we took over. Like like this is where the leadership is. This is where the the veteran presence are. This is where the experience is. It's about time we started playing like it, like, you know, especially uh, in the interior where Shelby primarily plays. So that is where I was really impressed by the defense and just those guys take taking taking pride in what they do, you know, saying, hey, my job as a D lineman is to kick the guy's ass in front of me. I'm about to do that for 60 minutes. Buckle up. Hopefully the guy next to me feels the same way and that, that was the case man and it, that was uh, that was encouraging that was encouraging cuz uh boy like ted like ted was telling us on the last pod oof there was there's nothing you could do when the d-lines getting getting its butt kicked and that was the problem they were having and chris they didn't they didn't have that problem on sunday they spent 60 minutes kicking Arizona's front line's ass
2: yeah that's exactly what you wanted you wanted the defensive line to set the tone when they set the tone everybody else's job becomes a little easier your linebackers are able to come through gaps, make plays that they normally should make. They don't have to worry about guys getting to the second level, meaning the running back gets through the A gap, B gap, and now he's at the linebacker position and he makes one move. And now he just has a safety to beat. And that's what we, that's what everyone was seeing the first few weeks in the NFL first few weeks of the season, running back's getting to the next level and you're expecting the linebackers to try to make these plays. They're coming downhill. One cut guy's gone. I got safety. misses the tackle you got a big touchdown run. And on Sunday against the Cardinals, those things didn't happen. You talked about guys holding their gaps, just holding it and allowing their linebackers to get through or Puna four getting off a block, forcing the guy outside and they're rallying to the football. That's going to continue. But getting it done on Sunday against the Cardinals was, just, was definitely a start. And again, the confidence of this defense is definitely boosted. They they think they should be probably 6-0 and at this point, and you can't knock them for that. They believe that they have the talent on this defense to get it done. They just have to play as they did against the Cardinals or play well every Sunday, and you never know what could happen. And that's what we saw today. Unfortunately, the offense didn't really have a great day, but at least the defense stepped up and showed life. And I think that was the biggest thing. The defense showed life and reminded everybody, okay, this defense can get it done. Yeah, they've been getting their ass kicked for five straight weeks, but on that sixth week, they turned it and flipped it and made it so that you can't say that. You saw flashes of everyone having just success on the football field. Hell, a guy we haven't talked about a lot, Daryl Taylor. He was getting off the line and getting back there. He had a lot of pressure today. I'm sure his pressure rate was up, up, up. I saw him back there making a lot of plays. Hell, on the fourth down sack, on the turnover in the fourth quarter, just because of Darryl Taylor coming off the edge, forcing him back inside, and Mafe's right there to mop him up. Those are things that... Seahawks fans are used to seeing, and you saw a little bit of that today. But enough about the defense, man. We got a lot of Twitter questions. You ready to get into those, Mike? Uh,
1: once I want to, you, you mentioned two things that I wanted to look up. Oh, yep. Okay. Uh, what'd you say first? Daryl Taylor's pressure rate? Yes. Yeah. 11.1%, uh, which would be, I think that would be for a D lineman, that would be about probably like top 30 ish, uh, league wide, if you were to do that every week. Um, so that's pretty impressive. Uh, pretty big he had jump. three pressures today, uh, which was second on the team behind Uchenna with four. Shelby with uh, four as well. He said something else I wanted to look up. Oh, here we go. Uh, so four pounds back? Or something Or No, today the uh, Cardinals had, uh, I think they averaged like .3 yards before contact per rush at least by their running backs. So that's yeah. like a third of a yard before someone was hitting them on average. So the league average is 1.4, 1.5 uh, yards before contact per rush. So basically if the Seahawks did what they did today uh, in terms of yards before contact per rush, they would be by far the best run defense in the league. Like right now, I think the Titans lead in that category at 0. 0.8 yards uh before contact uh per rush mm-hmm. so the, the titans don't even let you get a yard before someone hits you pretty much, pretty much is how you should read that stat um the seahawks today didn't even let you get a third of a yard mm. before you were hit if you were running back I, I pulled kyler murray's rushes out of the sample um just to because that's really I, kyler's part of the run game but for the for the for the purposes of like projecting for a a long season total that i kind of want to use his numbers uh without use their numbers without kyler if that makes sense because you're not getting a bunch of running quarterbacks in the sample um usually you know I, you get your tasems every once in a while or they'll get kyler again in a few weeks obviously but for the most part you're not really accounting for a running quarterback in that way so basically if the seahawks did what they did today they'd be the best run defense in the league by a mile uh, which is really encouraging
2: as we both mentioned, that's the confidence builder. As you said, you see it now on tape. You did it. Repeat that. Just repeat it. Yeah. Keep holding yeah. your gaps. Keep allowing your linebackers to make plays. Keep shooting gaps and and getting sacks and putting pressure rate. All those things accounted for, then this defense can be really good. It can. Yeah. They really can. And you saw it on Sunday against a bad offense, but that's what you want. Against a bad offense, you want the Seahawks to dominate. Those are things that you want to see. And if they're gonna have a nice challenge next Sunday against the Chargers, but not getting far ahead, not getting too far ahead, enjoy this one against the Cardinals. And that's a positive sign moving forward for the Seahawks defense for sure. But you ready for now I'm ready for Twitter questions. Yeah, I wanted to get those two stats in
1: there to kind of quantify how good the performance was. I think that yards before contact uh number is Incredible. That's that's it. Yeah. That's the D line right there. That's the, I, sh- I should have used that in my story. I'll use that later this week.
2: We can use it for the podcast.
1: Yeah, that was an, that, That's that's how you quantify the. Damn, what was it again?
2: You said they
1: were at. Oh, hang on, make me look it up again. Um, the Cardinals, three, not even a yard, but yeah, I think the Cardinals today. Here, I'm gonna pull it up one more time. I'm writing it down too. This time, all right. If I filter out uh, Kyler's runs, the uh, the Cardinals had, uh, they averaged 0.33 yards per contact, yards before contact per rush. So they didn't even let you get a third of a yard, uh, before someone was contacting you.
2: Huh. Uh,
1: that's pretty nuts. Now, part of that is because this Keontae Ingram cat, uh, he averaged negative one yards before contact per rush. So he was getting hit in the backfield, uh, but a, a yard behind the line when he was touching the ball now he only had three carries so that skews that number a little bit but even Eno you know, benjamin was only at point six so he wasn't even getting a full yard either before someone was on his ass so th- those numbers are just crazy man like again man. the titans lead the league i think point eight so to be at point three if you were to do that every week again you would be the best run defense of all time so the, the, the performance that the D-line put forward today, that's, that's, that's where the game was won and lost uh, today, up front.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Well, let's do these Twitter questions. The first one will start with Will Branch at Beeman5385. Low-key, I think this team is in the mix and the offense is legit. With the upcoming schedule, do you guys think we the Seahawks can make a run? Obviously, I know it's still early on in the season. Um, I make a run i don't know about that i'm looking at the conference standings
1: right now wow minnesota's five and one Ooh. yeah they on fire kirk cousins baby i don't want to give kirk all much credit until i check the numbers in the tape bucks are three and three niners three and three the giants are five and one man they wow. beat
2: baltimore sunday
1: uh i actually saw that coming uh i picked up uh daniel jones in fantasy in anticipation of him playing well i don't know how well he played but I knew he would have to play well for them to probably beat Baltimore, although their defense is not good. Uh, yeah, I, in the mix is probably the right way I would describe uh, Seattle right now. Um, I think a win like this is important because one of the reasons I really wasn't sold on the the team as a whole after the last couple weeks was that I knew – I think everyone knew this, too. There's not no revelation. I think everyone knew asking Geno Smith and those guys to score 30 a week it was just un- unrealistic. You just couldn't – no offense when I don't say no offense because some can but for the most part you just can't ask that of a team every week shoot the Lions were the number one scoring scoring offense like two weeks ago after the Seahawks game put up zero last right week next week they got blanketed or they got uh, skunked by the Patriots led by uh, Zap they, yeah uh, quick note Chris and I, maybe people on Twitter will remind me to do this too I need to go rewatch the Patriots against the Lions and the Patriots against the Browns because those are the two best rushing teams in the league and the Patriots shut them both down uh, back-to-back weeks so whatever the Patriots are doing against the run teams just start copying that because that's working to shut down what the Lions are doing and then I don't know what Nick Chubb and those guys did today but I got Chubb in one league and Kareem Hunt in the other and I lost
2: so man I feel you on that
1: yeah so I'm assuming that uh they shut down the browns as well i'm pretty sure they did for the brownstone oh score. they did yeah yeah To only whatever whatever they did so just remind me of that but yeah i i think in the mix is probably a good way to describe them you know outside of the eagles i really don't i think there's a gap between the eagles and everybody else in the uh in, in the nfc so i think they're there uh, and the reason i brought up um the way they won today is i i do think they needed to win a non-shootout i think that was important we needed to see their defense hold someone under 30 uh, and we needed to see the offense be able to win without scoring um, You know, so I think this was important uh, In that regard as well, just to show Like, alright, we can win a few ways You know, I talked to DK after the game My first time talking to DK in the locker room this year By the way um, he, he was like, we're uh, He was like, we can win however you need us to win You know, uh, DJ Dallas the same way He was like, we're versatile You know, I didn't use that quote, but he was like, yeah, we're versatile You want, you want us to win a shootout? We ready you want us to win a slugfest? Slug? Yeah, you know. All right, we can do it. Um, I think that's important. You're not going to win 31 to 38, or 38 to 31 every week. Uh, wow, yeah, Nick Chubb had 12 for 56 and Kareem Hunt 4 for 12. Yeah, I need to see see what the Patriots did. That's that's impressive. Um, but, yeah, they're in the mix. Make a run? I'm not sure. I need to see the D-line continue to perform like this. Go kick the Chargers' ass next week, and then we can talk about
2: making a run that was going to be my point if they do this against the chargers with all the weapons that i don't think i don't at this point keenan allen, i was just rest the whole year bad hamstring dude ain't ever coming back feel bad for the dude
1: somebody said somebody said on twitter it was like brian robinson got shot twice and came back before key keenan allen all he got is a hamstring injury
2: <laughs> man i hope you didn't see that tweet
1: oh my god oh that was funny oh man that was because it's like i know hamstrings linger but that is a funny. Only oh, got shot. Bro got shot like late August.
2: And playing,
1: <laughs> it made it back. It scored a touchdown before. Next question. That's just
0: so funny, dog.
2: This one is from Muhammad Khalif at Prez Wayne. Ooh, Prez Wayne Ing. I mean, I probably destroyed that. He's going to go at, go at prayers. Mohamed, appreciate the love. What do you guys think of how the Cardinals prepared for Gino? Sounds like the main plan was taking away DK and Tyler. Do you think other teams will follow the same game plan? How can the Hawks counter? I'll tell you how they counter. A lot of play-action passing. You know who got a lot of touches today? Damn tight ends. Take away DK and Tyler. If you can run the ball, play-action pass it, every now and then you'll get a pass to those guys. But if, t- if teams want to do that, The run game needs to be solid, which I think for the most part, Kim Walker had a solid day. And then you just got to take what the defense is giving you. If they want to allow you to throw to your tight ends and they're going to make catches and make plays, you're going to take it. Obviously, you want your offense to score more than one touchdown, but you got to take what the defense is giving you. And if it's taking away your best targets, you need guys like D. Eskridge. Marquise Goodwin stepped up today, had a few plays. So you saw other players in the mix, and that might happen every now and then, but you just need other guys in the mix to make plays maybe catches a bomb, they throw a screen and it worked today. Mike, did you see that? Close I did,
1: I think it was to Ken Walker. I want to. Say. It was. It was a. It was a
2: quick. It was the. I mean, I guess you could. Either way, it worked. We'll just leave it at that. So there are ways that teams are going to want to take away your best players, but that's when other guys need to step up. And you saw a little bit of that today. At least I thought so. What was the question? It was preparing for Geno. How do you? What do you guys think? cardinals did to prepare for geno and then it sounds Um, like the main plan was taking dk and tyler away other teams will they follow that game plan On the yeah
1: i think uh additionally i think the plan was to um not is to try to make the o-line have to communicate a lot more if you look at some of those sacks it was a lot i don't know if they talked about this in the broadcast but there was a lot of like twists and stunts it wasn't just whoever we have on the edge rush against 72 and and 67 it was all right let's let's send a little looper in here and let's let's just double loopers like they were just trying to make them make them work um and they were definitely focused on taking away gino or excuse me taking away dk and tyler particularly on third downs um which is important because if you are going to do that stuff up front and you can take away read number one let's say the plays to tyler okay take away tyler he has to go to a second read boom guys in his face um, and I think that was that was the, a good plan on their part. They bracketed DK a lot. Like there was a, so DK got a goal line fade in the second half. Uh, I think the corner was number 33. I want to say that he went against and the play before that, it looks like they're getting single coverage. And what they did was the safety rolled down immediately. And then the I think the corner like backed off. It was it was like disguised really well. At least like I saw I thought I saw something, and then they just rotated the other way. It was it was really well done. And then I think Gino had to just throw it away on that snap, if I'm not mistaken. So either way, they didn't move the ball, they ended up kicking a field goal. So I think the bracketing was the plan. I also think that this, because Seattle's like an outside zone, kind of mid-zone uh team, it's like those those outside runs. You really have to be sound. Um on your outsides obviously you're like your edges and what you're seeing is teams kind of leave the middle open like you look at their first third down conversion today it was like a Kenneth Walker direct snap right up the gut you look at some of Gino's other plays where he ran with his legs it was like right up the gut and some of they, the the Cardinals were able to take away some of that with some of those that D-line movement to crash down uh in the middle um so I think that the Cardinals had a really good plan their DBs are on fire today uh, one of the homies who didn't watch the game, they asked me was like, "How King Gene looked today?" Uh, and I was like, "Man, the, the Arizona DBs were ready. They were ready. They were like, someone else is going to have to cook us. It ain't going to be 16. and It ain't going to be 14." Um, mm-hmm. And I think their plan was solid. Gino threw for 197 and got sacked five times. You know, like the the leading receiver was Noah Fent and number two was D. Eskridge with 39 yards. If you tell me if I'm if I'm the opponent and you and I tell you that hey. Noah Fant is going to lead the team in receiving. You think Seattle lost with, by thirty? With forty-five yards though, and be like, oh yeah, we got this. You know, I can that that their plan worked well enough. Nineteen points, giving up only giving up nineteen should win you a, a game in the NFL. Uh, you know, so that their plan was good in a lot of ways. The ways you mentioned, Chris, and then some of the other stuff they did to take away um, not just the passing game, but some of the stuff Seattle likes to do in the run game too.
2: Yep. This one is from Zach, Zach Je- Gabel. What explains the five sacks, you know, took today? We kind of touched on that, but if you can go over it again, Mike, did he hold the ball too long or was it just one of those games or battle line or a combination?
1: I think he held the ball too long like once. Um, I think when you go back and look at the sacks, I looked at all five of them before we recorded. Um, I didn't dissect them super well because I wanted to get this rolling, but just looking at the five, it looked like a bad day up front. Uh, and pass protection. I didn't listen to Pete Carroll's press conference yet. I was having some car trouble today, uh, but uh, before we recorded, but f- I, I would imagine he'll say the same thing. If he didn't to the game, he'll probably say it after he watches the film. It just, it wasn't a good day up front. They were, like those, those twists and stunts was that they had those guys all discombobulated a couple times. The cross got beat one time, Abe got beat the other time. Um, even when Gino tried to step up on one of them, didn't matter because, uh, I think Cross was beat bad enough that number 41 just like jumped on Gino's back uh, pretty much. It was it was it was, a, it was a pretty bad day uh, protecting uh, up front, you know. They they blocked pretty well uh, in the run game, but I mean some of that was Kenneth Walker is just a beast. Huh? Ooh! That kick. Scoop. Boy, he is and he's physical. He's, Yeah, man You can just see why he was so hard to tackle at Michigan State Like, he's hard to tackle right now as a rookie I can only imagine some poor Big Ten kids from Illinois Trying to tackle that cat Like, that that must have been really hard But, yeah, I think the five sacks Each sack is, is his own story But just in general, if you ask me Hey, Mike, what happened? that is not a good pass protection day i'm sure the pff grades or whatever will support that i don't have all the pressure numbers in front of me um but just off watching the game and then re-watching some of this all of the sacks i, I can confidently say the o-line room is not gonna have we said the the tell the truth monday is gonna be pretty solid for the de- defense tell the truth monday is probably gonna be pretty tough um for the o-line room um and maybe not just the o-line maybe some maybe the geno uh, did something wrong on some of those protections or uh, i think one of them dj dallas is in there um, and it looks like there's some type of communication issue so maybe not just the alignment but I, just in general protection was not the thing today that, that that did not that did not go well in arizona just they feasted the same way seattle feasted on kyler and that line same thing on the other side this was this is a d-line clinic today on sunday
2: this one comes from one of the homies on instagram yo i've listened to man to man religiously since i found you guys years ago i don't use twitter much but how different is shane warden's offense this year from last and all the throws Geno is making now are they just throws Russ wouldn't or couldn't make is the o-line just better the offense is just clicking
1: yeah i think the offense is is um it's pretty similar. They're doing a little, few different runs uh, and stuff like that. They're, they're running Gino intentionally a little bit more than they were running Russ. I don't think Russ really ran intentionally at all in the, his one year with Shane. I didn't see a lot of it. Um, he did more QB sneaks with Shane. But in general, not using really Russ with his legs that much. I think some of the throws that Gino does make are some, one, some ones that Russ wasn't as comfortable making. Uh, one today that was incomplete. Was like a dig route to dk i think i think it was zavin collins or whatever maybe we got a hand on it whoever number 25 is uh got a hand on it uh over the middle like that's a it obviously the, play, the pass wasn't completed but it was one of those like ooh, that's a over the middle ryan Tannehill, tom brady type of throw um or jimmy g um and dude, those are three guys who really attacked the middle it just what those are throws that Russ made but wasn't like super big on um and you're seeing fewer you're not seeing as many throws outside the numbers like you're seeing them uh, but you're not seeing as much like with Russ. and offense is gonna have a shit ton of goal balls and you're not really seeing those uh, as often uh in this offense so i think i think that's part there's a few differences yeah um you're seeing a few different formations they use a lot of pistol now they do that weird thing where they line up in like a almost like a wing t looking thing They motion out of it not really sure why uh they use a little bit more 21 personnel which is um what is that that's two running backs excuse me that one tight end yeah they use that a little bit more today i think the screen pass was 21 personnel so <coughs> excuse me there's a few differences um and part of it is gino's just playing really well russ didn't play as well last year so I think that's the big difference as well
2: what is your sense this one's from hawks fan 206 what is your sense of how boy Mafe is coming along also are there any free agents out there you'd see that could be a good fit for the seahawks
1: uh i don't see any free agents i just don't think that's anyone still out there right now is probably not gonna help them in the areas that they need help like i saw like deshaun jackson said he wants to keep playing or something like that and like that's just not that's not gonna help these guys Although, if the Panthers cut um, Robbie Anderson, yeah, you hop on the phone and make that call. I saw him get thrown out the game. At least I saw it on Twitter. I haven't read more about it, but definitely make that call. Um, if he's there, I mean, maybe if the Rams cut Cam Akers, you see what that, you know. It never hurts to have extra back running back bodies. I mean, these guys just drop like flies, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but as for Boy, I think Boy is just really strong and is fairly, like, disciplined. Like, you really don't see a lot of players you're like, damn, Boye really fucked that up. You know, you don't see those. Like, you see more of, like, oh, wow, that was a good play by Boye, for example. On the first drive of the game, I'm pretty sure that the reason that Kyler Murray doesn't score on that second and goal run is because Boye stays, like, square to the line of scrimmage as Kyler's trying to scoot around him. And forces him to have to like do a little like a uh, jab step move which gives I believe Michael Jackson enough time to set the edge and then Kyler eventually just runs out of bounds and it's just like one of those plays where like it's not a splash play like if I didn't mention that play on the pod just now people probably wouldn't even remember that it like that's how it happened they know that Kyler didn't score on the first drive, but it's like oh dang who was mostly responsible for that I believe that was a boy thing here now I gotta pull it up so I don't look stupid uh let's see Kyler right end uh for minus four yards michael jackson gets credit for the play like and here i'll throw it in here uh for you like look at this player this is for our youtube folks like i'm gonna describe it for like i kind of just did kyler's takes a uh, shotgun snap and fakes it and then just takes off and the running the fullback or whoever's lead blocking for him just tries to square up uh boy, he can't Boye shoves him off stays square to the line of scrimmage and then he makes sure that kyler uh has to go horizontal instead of going forward That gives Michael Jackson more time uh, to recover. And it ends up being like a loss of four yards. It turns a second and one into a, what is that? A third and goal from the five. Like that's just a, that's just a huge play right there. Um, So like those are the Boye type of plays. I know everyone can't see. This is only for our YouTube audience. I can see everything I just described. But when people ask me, how's Boye look? He's not flashing, like flashing like Tariq is flashing. But woo-hoo-hoo-hoo.
2: Number fifty-three has some promise for sure. Our next question comes from Tony K. It was noted that Barton lost snaps, and the Hawks were obviously better. Who replaced him, or how did they change their scheme with him not out there? Do you think they will continue less? He continue to get less snaps, or was it just a matchup? I think today, with
1: a little bit matchup and a little bit of something, they'll probably continue to do going forward. Which is, it's I call it their big nickel. They have another name for it. I keep forgetting what somebody we talked about this before, and somebody mentioned it. It was like the peso package or something like that. Yeah, because uh, peso
2: is another word for dollar yeah, but or something. Somebody
1: tweeted us and was like, a peso also is like a quarter or something like that, too. It was, fuck, I probably just messed that up.
2: Either way, here's what they were doing peso hey, is 50 cents. Okay. American so- dollar. It's, it's half of, it's 50 cents for American. Um,
1: I gotta find a tweet now. Because a okay. Mexican
2: peso is a dollar. I'll look it up. I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: So you should Twitter search me and you, and then like the word peso.
2: Someone tweeted it to us. Anyway. A peso is worth about a nickel. Yes. Does it make sense that the peso defense is a variation of on a nickel defense?
1: Yes. That there it is. Thank you to who, who did that? We're gonna shout them out. Who, who
2: tweeted that? That was Paul Good. P Paul underscore PK Good.
1: All right, thank you, Paul. Um, yeah, let's call it the peso package. Here's what they were running. You get five down linemen. Um, sometimes the linemen will have to like cover a slot guy, which you guys probably saw, like the, the one that uh, Uchenna gave up in the middle of the field. Like, occasionally that happens. But for the most part, you get five down linemen. Um, think of it as like a 3-3-5. So your three is, let's say, Brian Monet, Shelby, and Puna. There's your three. Three D-line. Your three backers in the 335. Lucena, Boye, and Jordan. All right. And then your five. Your regular four, Mike Jack, uh, Tariq, Ryan, Quandre, and then you have Kobe. Kobe Bryant, not Cody Barton. So there's your three-three-five. They were using that on early downs, too, though. So that five down that still gives you decent numbers in terms of being your your gaps in the run game. And then you have Jordan, and then you have Ryan who can come in and fill uh, in the run game. And then Kobe's there as well. Like Kobe had like seven tackles today or something. So you use that package and then you go like to the passing downs, you can use your dime or whatever your regular nickel. They use way more of that. I think Cody today played like 39% of Seattle's defensive snaps easily his lowest of the season cody had been playing like 80 something percent they just kind of wiped uh cody from having a big role in the game plan in favor of kobe bryant playing a lot more and they did a little bit of that against detroit actually and i think they used some of those snaps too against the saints uh it just didn't work as well because you really need the d-line to be in its bag to pull that off because you look at it after the at the second level it's just jordan like that's it so that's really risky to run you need your d-line to kick some ass and they did uh consistently in that so i think that was the reason why i don't know if the broadcast talked about it did the broadcast talk about that I'm curious about cody not playing uh that much
2: no i didn't hear anything about it to be honest yeah
1: so i was pointing it out like live i was like wow okay they are going big nickel but i think that's we'll call it the peso package I think the peso thing is really effective and it's something I want to see more of just because I think it uh, it puts their best 11 on the field. You know, like if your peso package, if you're starting with, with Al Woods back, if you got Al, Shelby, Puna, Uchenna, uh, Boye, Jordan, Kobe, and then your four DBs, your four other DBs. That's your best 11 to me. And then you're rotating Brian Monet and then Q Jeff as well, and then Daryl in there for your, your pressure stuff. Like, that's how you get your best guys on the field. Doesn't mean don't use Cody. Cody has some good plays today. Um, but I just think this is the best, that's the best usage. And you're seeing why. Kobe is just getting the ball out every week. You know, he's making the impact plays. Your best impact plays have been coming from rookies. You know, so play your rookies more if you have to. So I think that's that's what they were doing today. The peso pack, that's what we're gonna call. It. Shout out to Paul. Paul with the peso package.
2: This one is from Larry Collins at L Collins RB. Have the DB shown enough ability for the defense to incorporate cover three in their scheme to keep eight in the box?
1: Yeah, so they run a little bit of cover three still. They just call it like cover nine. Uh, I want to try to explain the difference between cover three and cover nine on the podcast right now. I won't, even though I kind of know the difference. Uh, but basically, think of it as a, as a 3D look. It's the same thing. So they ran a little bit of it today. They actually run it with the peso package. Because what you can do with that is put Ryan Neal next to Jordan. So really at the second level, you're basically using Ryan as a linebacker. Then you have him. You have Ryan, Jordan, and Kobe. And then you have Mike, Jack, and Tariq. And as we've seen with Tariq, God bless anyone trying to beat him up the sideline. You can, Like last week. Uh, We broke down, uh, or just on the podcast that we just released uh, for our YouTube people on Friday. Uh, Tariq is taking away comeback routes while he's playing cover three. Now he's taking away go routes. So basically, ain't shit you can complete on this man. He done done intercepted, I think he intercepted in week three, uh, Tariq, intercepted a, I forget what Drake London ran on that. But it was a comeback of some sort. Like Drake was coming back to the ball, and then in week four, he basically robs a dig route. And then in week five, he takes a comeback route. In week six, he intercepts a go ball. I'm not sure what else you. If he intercepts a back shoulder end zone fade, be he's best corner in league really. because that's 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 every route pretty much, other than like a deep post or something like that. And I don't even think nobody's going to throw that because he's two speed. So. The answer to that question is yes. And the thing is, all you're really concerned about in that regard is making sure Michael Jackson doesn't get beat deep and the guys don't get penalties. Because that's the other thing about throwing it up to guys. Uh, but other than that, I think in the big nickel in particular, or the peso package, you can really run some cover three stuff because then you still got you got guys underneath that I, I trust. You know because underneath, not to say I don't trust Cody necessarily, I just think if you're if you're talking about coverage, I just trust DBs more. Yeah, just it's kind of just natural. Uh, whether you need Ryan to hit the flat or Kobe, like they they came at Kobe a lot today. Uh, like he made plays, yeah, like pass breakups, yeah. Kobe was in some really good position, uh, today. Like Kyler almost gifted him one on an underthrown ball, I want to say, towards Zach Ertz or it might have been Marquise, but either way, like if it comes to like being the hook guy or the flat guy other than ryan Neal's missed tackle i think on the first drive first or second like ryan's just being a really solid player so i think yes the dbs are showing enough uh at least early uh, like in a little bit that we've seen from like the peso package to say all right you guys can run a little bit more of your cover nine slash cover three uh stuff you know is it a lot that has to go right but like today was a good example but all right we can do this, particularly when we can kind of count on 27, just shutting down the f- one side of the field.
2: This one is from Eric. Tweets are dumb. When he was hired, Clint hurt said he wasn't feeling D-linemen in coverage. But on Sunday, Eric saw Nuosu covering the slot receiver, Rondell Moore, a few times. Was that Arizona scheming, that with the personnel they put out on the field, or something else? Now,
1: you can't really play a a 3-4 structure without dropping your Outside linebackers that's just kind of The nature of the business you try to avoid Those obvious mismatches but The main thing is making sure Your guys are in position where they have some help too. it's like for example On the first Fourth down try I think it's a fourth and four at the 20 In the s- first play of the second quarter um, Boye Mafé is in Coverage as well and he sits under. And maybe it's not this play, but there is a play where Boye Mafe he he drops back into coverage and it takes away one of Kyler's uh, reads and it forces Kyler to go somewhere else. And I think it ends up incomplete. So Boye and Uchenna can cover. They can do that. Every once in a while, there would be a bad matchup. I gotta watch the Rondell play uh, again because it's really a, they need to have help. Because I don't know how Uchenna ended up alone in the middle of the field, like in the flats and stuff. I can see that, but. A little bit of that is some more big nickel stuff, too, I can imagine. Um, but you won't see a ton of mismatches like that, but it's a necessary evil. You won't see a lot of Brian Monet and Puna Ford and Shelby Harris dropping into coverage. Although I will say uh, one of this, I think the sack that they had or one of the like uh, runs of no gain or something that like one of the big plays behind the line of scrimmage from week five, Shelby Harris was in coverage. He was like a spy almost it was a very weird play. but it worked so it's rare um and i know what clint said but for the most part you're gonna have to have those guys doing some of those coverage dropping um i mean shoot Lucena almost had a pick six what was that week four what week was that chris when he had the, the ball go right
2: through his hand um, week three, three? Yeah, yeah it was it early was, in the season
1: they were playing indoors it was yeah it was against detroit so yeah so Lucena can do all that stuff which is even one of their better players um, so yes, you're gonna you're gonna see a little bit of that. Uh you try not to have too much of a mismatch on it, but I think their guys are athletic enough to do it, uh to be honest. I think that particular play was tough <clears throat> uh because they I think that was like uh they ran a lot of vertical routes and they cleared out Jordan. Um so Jordan had to follow, I think like uh Zach Ertz going up the seam. And so that left Ucena by himself. That was like, that particular play is, they got schemed up. In general, though, you're not going to see a lot of mismatches, even though Uchenna and Boye can cover in space.
2: This one is from Lance Zimmerman at Lance Fancy Pants. Is Tariq Wan our best player on the Seahawks defense right now?
1: Um, No. I still think it's Big Al. Um, Big Al's been very, very, very good. Um, He's probably... Man, because Uchenna's been good too, man.
2: That was my tough. yeah. Who
1: would who you who you got?
2: I was gonna say Uchenna. He's been I would say the most cons- not that Tariq hasn't been consistent, but he has been week in and week out. Damn, damn, he's doing he's doing his job. He just didn't have everyone else doing their part. But as we touched on earlier in the pod, when the D line does their part as a whole unit, everybody else's job gets e- is easy. So if I had to rank it, it would go Uchenna. I go Tariq and then Al, or if you want to do Uchenna, Al and Tariq, that's fine too. It's though it's those three. I know that much.
1: Uh, yeah, and I think and I don't think Quandre played uh, played bad. He man, it, the thing about how Quandre's played is um, this would all look
2: so different if he had just
1: if he catches some of these balls that are hitting him in the hands. Oh
2: yeah, he had an interception today that he. I mean, it was a tough one, but. If you're gonna touch it with both hands, you might as well catch it.
1: Yeah, and he's had that's like his third one that's hit him in the hands. I think he had he dropped one against Denver, dropped one against the Niners, and then dropped one today. Like it it would look so different if he had if he had three interceptions. You know, like if if every other play he's made or has not made was all the same, don't don't change anything but those three plays, he would look like like he's having an all pro year. Like that's that's just how how crazy catching the ball versus not catching the ball is. Although today it's probably better that he didn't catch the ball because i think kyler threw it from the 28 on fourth down so if he catches it in the end zone they actually lose eight yards but whatever and i think that was also the case against the niners it was fourth down and the ball was in the end zone so if he catches it they lose yards but
2: whatever Whatever. get those stats baby.
1: (laughs) the thing about Tariq, man is that what's um what's kind of funny about him is how many of his teammates have no problem telling us
2: that he doesn't know what he's doing. now he said now. that in the press I started crying. I said, "That's how you know you're filthy." I, who said it in the press Tariq did. Yeah, he said yeah. The, or a reporter asked the question like, "Hey, teammate, you're saying you know you don't even know what you're doing out there. Like, how do you feel?" He's like, "I don't." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Yo, you know how good you got to be to say, I don't know what I'm doing out there, but." I'm in position. And I make plays. So
1: yeah, so I don't crazy. Know. I was in his pressure but I don't really remember that question. Um, I do know that when I talked to Quentin Jefferson. He was like, "Yeah, man, he only really know what he's doing." And I was just like, "What?" What? Uh, he's like, "He don't. He's just good." And then the Jordan Brooks said the same thing. Jordan Brooks was like, "Yeah, he don't even know what he's doing half the time." Um, and he's just out there on raw talent. I was like, "Yo."
2: Yeah, Got hey, offensive the coordinator, they're praying he
1: don't ever figure it out because then it's a wrap. It kind of reminds me of the episode of the Shop uh, LeBron Show on HBO where they have Patrick Mahomes on there, and I think it's after. I'm his, here. It's after his third season. <laughs> That's your Patrick Mahomes impression. I'm uh, here. <laughs> it was after Mahomes. I want to say his third season, and he basically was like, "My first year." In my first two years, I was I didn't really know how to read coverages or something like that. He said something to the effect of, now I know how to read defenses or something like that. And I was like, no, you want MVP without knowing how to read coverages? That's or, like, crazy. Knowing what you're seeing? Uh, that's the bag Tariq is in. Uh, maybe a, a, better comp, uh, a better comp would be the year Randy, Randy Moss's rookie year, where he was like, I really only knew two routes. Uh, and I think he, I'm pretty sure He led the league In touchdown catches uh, That year With like 16 Or something like that As a rookie Only knowing two routes So like That's the th- That's where I'm Kind of comparing Tariq It's like Damn dog If this is you Not knowing What you're doing Oh my god And I get what They're saying Because like Some of this stuff Is recognition Like today He was like Oh 4th and 11 Marquise Brown This is probably A go ball Like He, he, he recognized that But some of this stuff, is really, you can tell he's just like, oh, the ball's there, let me catch it. <laughs> like, that's, that's crazy, you know, that that's crazy. Um, so yeah, I think that's the most impressive part about what Tariq is doing, and by the way, Randy Moss did lead the league in touchdown catches in 1998 with 17, and he had 1,300 yards that year. Two routes, two routes. He was either going, or he was going and coming back. <laughs> either way, he was scoring. That's crazy. That's Tariq.
2: Yeah, another Tariq one. This is from Jacoby Bell. If this pace continues, or he just stays remotely consistent for Woolen, is there a potential that he achieved defensive rookie of the year?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. then
2: on top of that, how great would he have to be to be in consideration for most valuable player?
1: Of the league? Or defensive yeah. player of the year?
2: No. No. How great of a year would he have to have to be in consideration for MVP?
1: Uh, probably 15 picks or something like that.
2: No, know, for real, could, that's insane. A guy has to have 15 interceptions just for you know, to say, you know what? You're the defensive player of the year. That's crazy. Yeah, because I I think who's the last? No, you said
1: MVP, right?
2: Defensive MVP, or excuse me, oh. MVP. Yeah.
1: Okay, so MVP of the league. Yep. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Like 15 picks, something like that. Something like something crazy like that, 15. Probably break the record for picks. That'd, that'd be pretty crazy. Um, and then you had to score on a few of them as well, which he's already done uh, once. So, I mean, Tariq is really making an impact play. Every, I mean, look, he's already got a, a field goal blocked for a touchdown. He didn't obviously return it, but shoot. Uh, he's recovered two fumbles. He has scored a touchdown of his own with four picks, jesus man like that is that is not defensive rookie of the year stuff that's just defensive player of the year stuff right there i know there's other guys racking up sacks and stuff like that nick bose is having a crazy year and um some other guy, michael parsons is playing out of his mind i don't know what he did in the sunday night game because so i didn't get a chance to watch but yeah there's there's some other good comp there I ain't mean, like teresh running away with that but in terms of uh if he keeps making an impact play per game that that's basically what Michael Parsons was doing last year. So it, it'd be the same thing.
2: You know, at this point, they might as well put Tariq back there for kick return.
1: Nah, 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 nah. That's
2: just run straight, still, bro. Catch it and go. You kidding me? Because no, nah, no, nah,
1: no, nah, no, nah, no, nah, no. Nah. You gotta be. I'm I remember I was talking to somebody, I think it was I forget who it was. it was somebody on the team who no longer has to do kick returns. Oh, it was Rashad. It was Rashad Penny. Uh I was like, I was like, bro, you don't want to do kick return anymore? No he was like, hell no. I was like, Why not kill kind you? Of yeah, it was like, and we both kind of agreed, even though I put it in a way that he hadn't kind of like heard it worded. It's like, do you kickoff is full of dudes who got nothing to lose. Like, you got a bunch of kickoff is a bunch of dudes who those are their only plays. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, for real, them, them, them two or three, four kickoffs is that's it. That that's that's, that's my when game. They're on camera, so it's like you don't want to be on the field with them dudes because they ain't got nothing to lose. Like, you got to do like Joey Blunt coming down you know joey ain't ain't gonna play but five six snaps and they all gonna be with him trying to kill somebody on special teams so you don't be want to be the dude he killing you know so i yeah nah you
2: leave Tariq out of of special teams this one is from holly where eh, what are your thoughts so far on the 2022 rookie class thus far and when we gonna see bruce get in there uh, I, I imagine Bruce would probably play next week um, instead
1: of uh, Christian Jones. I think Christian Jones got called up for the second or third straight week. So instead of signing Christian to the 53, they probably just sign Bruce. Um, I think they have an open roster spot still after... who they just put on IR? Oh, Rashad. Just put Rashad on IR on Friday. Uh, as for the rookie class, I do think it's probably on pace to be... This, this has 2011... Vibes Probably. 2010 and 2012 are tough, man. Because 2012 had two Hall of Famers in it. I mean, Russ is kind of playing himself out of the Hall of Fame right now. We'll see uh, what he does on Monday night uh, and the rest of the year. Uh, but, oh, man. This class is really, really good. And, you know, I hate to be like a Debbie Downer. But I I do say, I will say, they needed this class bad. Because 2021 is looking Pretty bad Like I think I talked about it last podcast As well, maybe two podcasts ago That in 2021 They only had three picks And and they were Missing two of them, essentially because of Jamal Um, They were missing a first And a third, Uh, they They're missing a fifth Because of Gabe Jackson, and then A sixth because of a guy who's not even On the team anymore, and so you only had A second, a fourth, and a Sixth Sixth, Or at least there are seven that they traded up they didn't it up for Stone. I can't remember now. Um, either way, you only had three guys. You ended up getting Trey Brown, Stone, Forsyth, from D. Now, as much as I think, though, those guys all have some potential to stick around in this league, hardly any of them are contributing on a consistent basis. Um, and two of those guys aren't playing at all this year after Stone didn't really play at all last year. So that class, you're getting so little out of, you almost had to get, like, five, six starters out of your 2022 class Especially when you traded Russ. So while I think that this class is exceptional, I don't think it like fast tracks their rebuild or anything, quote unquote, just because they were so far behind the eight ball from missing on the 2021 class, if that makes sense. But I do think this class is gonna be really good. I think you got probably I think you have two guys with potential to be pro bowlers on their rookie deals in uh in Abe and Tariq. That's impressive. They haven't had a guy make a Pro Bowl on his rookie deals as a draft pick since Shaquille in 2019. So uh, if, if I don't count Michael Dixon. Um, so, yeah, that's that's really impressive.
2: This one is from JJ Barino at J C E R underscore 55. How would you guys feel about the season if the Seahawks get a wild card spot with the team they got now?
1: I would be very impressed if they were able to do that because that means the defense is playing pretty damn well to get a wild card spot.
2: That means from this point on, they've been damn good.
1: Yeah, they probably have to go with a three and three with eleven games left. They probably have to go eight and three. I
2: was damn.
1: (laughs) Eleven is ah no no no. uh, What is what does it do to get to ten and seven? Uh, so seven and four. math here. 7-4, and that's doable. I'd be very surprised um, if they were able to get that. I know there's not, like, a lot of great teams in the NFC. I just got to see more from the defense um, because Arizona's O-line ain't, like, super great, and they kick their ass. Go kick some other O-line's asses, and I'll be a believer. I think, honestly, Chris, the question that's going to be most interesting if that does happen is what you do with Geno. You know, because if they make a wild-card push... That means he's playing well.
2: Bring his ass back.
1: And if he's playing well, what are you willing to pay for that? And, you know, in, and in that case, what do you use your first-round pick on? You use it on a quarterback? Okay, well, well who's drafting ahead of you? Where is Denver's pick? It gets kind of tricky uh, if you kind of estimate a wild card bro. So that would be pretty interesting to see. Of all the questions, of all the things that happen if you make a wild card push, it's like, ooh, okay, well, now what do you do at quarterback? And... If you make the wild card round, okay. Well, how well does Gino play in the playoffs? Because Gino balls, and let's say they he, and then the defense isn't like good enough and they lose, like, oh shit. Gino just cooked like Minnesota in the playoffs or something like that. We lost, but Gino ate. Now what? Like, there's a lot. This that could be that could be a very interesting development. I would be very surprised though if they did. But if they do make the wild card round, I think the the big thing is like, what do you do at quarterback at that point?
2: Got two more for you. In terms of immediate returns, how does the 2022 draft class compare with other great draft classes? I don't remember 11 or 12 having this many immediately promising players.
1: Um, Well, uh, I think Cam was playing by the end of his rookie year. Not much. I think he was behind like Lawyer Malloy or something like that. Earl was playing right away in that 2010 class. I think russell okun was playing right away uh who else in that class
2: are so you talking uh, about 2012 yeah. or
1: yeah uh let's see uh oh not okay. bobby uh, playing uh, right away old tate uh damn that that uh that 2010 class was good too uh 2011 took a little bit to come along although there ended up being some good guys in that class
2: uh let's see here let's look at the 2010 class we're talking about 2011 okay. though I thought they were just saying compared to other good draft classes. Because 2010 was good too. 2010 had Russell Okung, He literally said he doesn't remember 2011 or 2012. So maybe just looking at those two years instead. Which only Uh, had, I think, KJ and Bobby. 2012 had Bobby and 2011 had KJ for sure. uh, Okay, so
1: 2011. Yeah, I think James Carpenter was starting uh, right away. Uh, KJ got in there right away Sherm didn't start right away I think Marcus Trufant was still starting uh I don't think Byron Maxwell got in there for a little bit either Uh, I don't even remember Pep Livingston playing much at all uh yeah in terms of a fast track this class is perhaps uh in better shape than the other ones I mean Bruce was playing right away Bobby was playing right away and Russ played right away and then you had Turbo so I mean and then Jay Lane you know, and, and Swiss. So I think this is probably on a 2012 kind of trajectory in that regard, which is really impressive. That is like to get this many guys playing this early. But also I think part of that is the team wasn't that good. So you had a lot of opportunities for guys to get on the field, particularly the two tackles. Uh, and then you got, you drafted a running back really high and running backs get hurt a lot. So yeah, I, I think the fast track they're on is really impressive, man. And uh to find so many guys that just don't look in over their head like everybody who's played looks like oh they can handle this Derek young hasn't really played and they cut Bo melton uh and signed to the practice squad we're missing anybody else oh tyreek smith tyreek smith's on uh, ir so everyone who has played looks like oh we can do this like that that's i don't know if i've seen anything like that that probably speaks to some coaching uh as well and uh, it, it also, I mean, look at look at who look at why these guys are playing well. Charles and Abe are able to run block; didn't do that in college at all. Um, Boy, Mafe is defending the run, at, and when they expected him to be a pass rusher, based on what he has shown, Tariq looks technically sound as hell, and his footage was raw. You know that's why he was a fifth round pick. Kobe Bryant's playing a position he's never played before, so on top of these guys just playing well, they have been coached up at certain things. That's really impressive. That probably speaks to coaching as much as as much as anything with that rookie class because they're all just, with the exception of Kenneth, Kenneth being the runner, he is that just looks like that's Ken because he's good as shit. But everything else, it looks like the coaches staff had a plan with these guys and then coached them up right, and they're performing. Like even Ken being able to pass block. That's coaching. So, yeah, I think that the coaching staff has done a really good job with this, 2020, uh, this 2022 group.
2: Oh, you got, okay. Last one is from Michael Scott at Michael underscore B Scott underscore. Are the Seahawks good? Oh, this is a fun question to end on. I want to say
1: no. And I will, I will continue that by saying, I'm not sure if I think anyone in the NFC is good, uh, except for Philly. Like Chris, let's see what you think here. I'm gonna rattle off some, and is uh, I'm gonna rattle off a team. Just say yes or no if they're good. Ready? Okay. Philly. Yes. Minnesota. Yes. Tampa Bay. No. San Francisco.
2: No the giants I haven't seen enough of them and I their record says yes but they could get smoked by the Seahawks it's
1: <laughs> a long answer sir yes or no on the giants sure no yes or no on the like come on man
2: is yes sure not no a yes, yes for you i'm sure sure and yes are synonyms
1: they they are not no they are not they're absolutely not Uh-oh. yes uh oh
2: yeah okay yeah yes on the giants all right uh dallas no Rams. Oh, hang on. I think Dallas is a good football team. Okay. Uh, Rams. No. Packers. No. Falcons. Wow. They just smoke the Falcons, but no.
1: Uh, They beat them or all the, the Niners. The, the, the Niners, Niners, Niners you said, are not a good team. So. No. Um, so those are all – everybody else is under 500. I'm going to assume you don't think any of the other teams that are two and four or worse are, are any good, Correct.
2: Nope.
1: Okay, so you said one, two, three, four. You said four teams were good. Do you think the Seahawks are good? No. So, I think the they're Seahawks... On their way. They're okay. Yeah, they're they they're okay. They're okay. Um, I think this is a good start. Let me see where they are in point differential uh, after this week. So they're still they're still minus seventeen. Uh, which is tied for 21st in the league. They're tied for 21st with New Orleans, and the Packers are minus 16. Browns are minus 15. Chargers, who haven't played this week yet, are uh, minus 14. Shoot, the Texans still have a better point differential um, uh, than the Seahawks. Uh, wait, why say the Texans only played five games? Oh, they're on a bye. That's why. Um, so, like, the Raiders, for example, are one in four. They're on a bye this week. Minus five. Point differential. That's fifteenth in the league. So, I mean, I think that you're on to something. uh I think we're probably in agreement that they're not good, but they're they're getting close. They're they're getting close. So, beat the Chargers. <sighs> beat the Chargers. Then we can then we can then we can talk. Because uh, I also need to see how the other thing I want to see just re- real quick. I need to see from the offensive side. I need to see the third downs be a little better again. Okay. I think they were like four of twelve today on on third down. That's after going one of nine um, uh, against the Saints. So that's that's pretty bad. Uh, what is
2: that? Five of. You about to do some math on the show? Twenty one. God bless. You said four of twelve, one of nine. So yeah, that's like five of twenty one or something. That's horrendous.
1: Uh, let's see. I'm going to look up third down
2: conversions
1: in weeks. I'm such a nerd. I look up everything. Uh, third down conversions in five, week, five to six. The Seahawks are 29th at 21.7%.
2: Yeah. You got to stay on the field against the Chargers. I think they're going to move the ball a little better than what the Cardinals presented on Sunday, but that's just my early take. Yeah. So I need you to
1: be better on third downs to believe in the team. Uh because that's that's why I was so high on the offense in the past because they had been converting and scoring. It's like you go one of nine and you go like four of whatever they were today. Now you're at 21 percent last two weeks, one of the worst in the league. That's just trouble. So I gotta see. Let me see the team put it together one more time, uh, and then we can we can revisit. I think the Celtics are okay. I think, um, which is what three and three suggests. Three and three with a minus 17 point differential suggests that you're okay. You know,
2: you're getting it's, there.
1: That you're good. It's just, it suggests that you can be. If then you do this and some other stuff, so they're on their way. They're on their way. If nothing else, man, the Seahawks are entertaining. Like if the Seahawks were the Thursday night game every week, like it would have been good every week but week two. You know, like that. These other some of these primetime games have been just shit shows, and the Seahawks are not that. They are entertaining when you when you flip on the the film. So
2: yeah, man. Shout out to that defense. Shout out to that D line, man. That's why this episode was all about defense. And we want to thank all of you out there for showing love. I know a lot of you say, you know, you've been rocking with us, love the show. So I want to just thank everyone instead of individually, because we thank you guys all. So I appreciate it for you guys tapping in, asking questions. We will catch you guys later in the week as we get ready for. Now we're moving on. Seahawks and Chargers that should be a very interesting one this is a big test for this defense and offense especially the defense that played so well on Sunday against the Cardinals so hopefully they hopefully they can continue that and we can come to you back and the Seahawks are four and three (laughs) talk about a turnaround yeah that
1: would be very interesting man so yeah this week we'll have a we should have a homie Daniel uh covers the charges for you to have him on our midweek show and then we'll, we'll do our film breakdown the drop later uh in the week as well so we're on it man we're up to three we're giving you three pieces of content per week now um so that's, that should be fun man i i can't wait to uh, rewatch the film and then decide on what my my uh my play is going to be this week early prediction defense yeah i probably i'll probably go defense for sure i can't think of what
2: play though Oh, I got a couple in my head. I'm like,
1: hoo, hoo, okay. I kind of want to pick a Puna play.
2: Um, okay, man. Get out of my head. Are you going to pick a Puna play? Damn. That, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I don't want to go with Tariq. I'm going to go with Puna because no one's going to expect that. This was Puna's best game so far this season. And I saw that just watching the game. Now I can go back in the tape, pick one of my favorite plays because he had, I think, three or four. I'm like, damn, Puna's making an impact. So, but yeah, think,
1: we'll figure it out. Yeah. So, uh for those who missed we've been breaking down we're gonna start breaking down one play each maybe we can expand it if we want but when right now it'll be one play each on film with the all 22 uh i think if, if you guys got a play you're really curious about how the inner workings of it went you guys have a know better too. idea um, yes. if you guys want to pick yeah uh uh let us know we can Damn, do that so now home. you're gonna
2: get flooded with a thousand dms if that's, I mean, the-
1: that's ain't but so many plays to choose from so uh <laughs> Yeah, we may be able to do that uh, as well. There's a Christian Jones play that I liked in there as well. And the Brian Monet run stop uh, was really impressive. The Christian Jones play is probably one nobody's really thinking about. But I thought it was excellent. Just excellent work by a young outside linebacker. So, yeah, I can't wait to break that down later after we get into the film and talk a little bit of Chargers uh, on our Tuesday show to drop Wednesday. So until then, man, thank you. uh, To echo what Chris said, appreciate the love. We make sure we bring this to you every week. Uh, we couldn't do it without you guys' love and support. Uh, make sure you subscribe everywhere that you get your podcasts. Uh, until the next time, ladies and gentlemen, we are out. Come down. Always you my i to you Like right now. You see I don't want to drive me. If you say that for your mama,
2: maybe you just my son.
0: I'm Mark Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.